0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network hi everybody producer al here great to be back for another season and great to be back with another re-release here on the monday podcast feed this time it's time for classic teams first recorded for patrons back in 2018 we took a look at some of the very best sides in spanish football history now for more of this sort of thing all of our tsfp presents series rincon cultural my per reviews bonus pods q and a's all the rest Join us over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. But for now, uh, this episode from 2018, uh, Phil, Sid and I discussed the great Deportivo La Coruña.
1: Hello patrons, welcome to another series of TSFP Presents. In our last series, of course, we took you around Spain in regions and rivalries. Prior to that, we delved into the archives to speak about 21st century La Liga legends. Uh, This series, we're going back into the archives to talk about classic teams. Producer Al says it's a good name because it's to the point. I think I feel, I felt like we could have worked it, on it a bit. I, I feel teams. like in terms
0: of punchy titles, yeah. I wanted a two-word... like Regions and rivalries. Yeah. 21st That's century legends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. Um, and so I wanted something punchy, and it was just a case of an adjective with teams. We, talk, we thought of great teams. You know, we've already had legends. It couldn't be legends. Look, the title isn't the most important thing, guys. It's the content. And the content is going to be us talking about classic teams of La Liga uh,
1: over the whole range of um, of uh, years and, and, and decades. We put the question out on Twitter for your suggestions and we had a really good response. Loads. Loads. Some teams that we hadn't even occurred to us and actually thought, oh God, yeah, maybe we should do them. We've got too many suggestions for us to do them all, uh, but we will let you know which team we are doing with we can a week always in advance. We have
0: a Series 2 if it's successful. We, we,
1: we, we can. Um, uh, I say that we will let you know a week in advance the team that we're doing. We haven't actually thought of Past episode two. But episode one is Deportivo La Coruña, Euro Depot, and Super Depot. Um of which Sid uh, knows a lot and you've actually written a lot because you are sending us some of your articles uh, over the um, uh, last uh, decade or so about about Depor.
2: Um, really good pieces. We're actually going to put some up on the, on the Making Patreon. Making myself feel very old, basically. Yeah. The old the old, the old man tells the young whippersnappers what, but, what used to happen in the good old... Going to back yeah. to the archives, <laughs> which are just your own columns that yeah. you've written yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know something? Actually, age is actually quite
1: an interesting thing about about this, this Depor side because Al and I are, as we confirmed yesterday, eight years younger than you which means that our well you know but our footballing experience and introduction to spanish football was a little bit different to yours and i think that people of i can hesitate to use this word but my and al's generation (laughs) 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 sorry you pair of bastards but for us this um particularly the super the euro depot side of the Mm. turn of the century was the first Spanish side that really sort of captivated the imagination. Yes, I think
0: that's true. Making a name for themselves on the European stage, beating all comers, as we will we'll discuss. I think that's definitely true. I also think, in terms of why so many people have affection for, for these Deport sides, I think we always have affection for a team that challenges the duopoly of Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah. There's always a lot of
2: affection. There is now for Atletico, there was a decade ago for
0: Valencia, and before that it was
2: Deport. Mm. And there was a way they played as well. Mm. I mean they were they were genuinely a lot of fun to watch. There was there were there were criticisms towards the end of Irueta about about his, his kind of weddedness to that double pivote the double double pivot in midfield there were suggestions at times that he was a little over cautious but but then people always said, well if he'd been a little bit more kind of expansive maybe Deppo would have won more things well deport won a league title in a 16 year period in which only Atletico Madrid had taken a league title off Madrid and Barcelona when they won a the double in, in 96 at a time when it was almost impossible and it's still is kind of now, I suppose, to, to win the league and not be Madrid or Barcelona, and did it playing really quite good football most of the time. Although that was a very strange league title, they won the league having been beaten eleven times that year. <laughs> wow, La Liga is boring and uncompetitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The period we're
1: talking about basically is start sort of 1992-93 and goes up towards two thousand and four. Well, that's the hmm. thing, isn't
2: it? I mean, this is this is kind of part of it when you talk about Super Deport, and 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 in a way, you know, as you've already. Pointed out there, are, there's kind of two different teams here. There's Super Depot and there's Euro Depot, and in a way, Super Depot just gets imp- applied to both of them. It's a sort of a, a relatively long stretch, hmm. and really, it's sort of it's not quite two teams, but it's sort of two teams. It's, there's, it's, there's, a, there's a dip in the middle, there's a dip for in, a in the middle, and, and then the kind of you know the resurgence of the team, if you like. Obviously, it's also because it's identified with two different managers, Arsenio Iglesias to start with, and then Javier and um, because relatively few players span both both generations obviously Donato is, is one of them Mauro Silva Mauro M- M- Silva Mamo Paulo. But, but it does feel like two teams and yet at the same time it also feels like part of an era not least because I think there's a nostalgia because of the fact that most people believe this is never coming back
0: mm. that's really quite a depressing thought in a way the idea that maybe this this can no longer happen because well, of the way that football is changed there's one
2: way there's one way of framing this and, and you know this is in, I must admit going back to one of the articles I wrote there's there's a moment when in the year I think it, it might even be the season that they go down when it's either 2009 or maybe it's the 2011 2011 11. is when they went down yeah. I can't remember if this happened in 9 when they were in danger of going down or in 11 when they actually did and Miguel Angel Lottino the manager at the time is asked for his team at the weekend and he starts reeling off his team and it's and it's, it starts with, with the goalkeeper he's actually got, which I think was Danny Adranthulia at the time, and he, and he mentions, I think, Manuel Pablo, and then he then he segues into Nabet, uh, Donato, I think he says Cap De Vila as his fullback. He then goes in through the midfield and basically names the Super Depot team, or at least players of that kind of successful generation. As it, his team is actually a bit of a hybrid of the two generations as well. And uh, and there's a kind of giggling in the room and everyone sort of laughs and, and and actually, in a way, while everyone found it funny, there was also this sense of, there it is, in a nutshell, the nostalgia that we feel for a team that was great that we know is not coming back. And his point, of course, that he was making underneath it all was, look, I haven't got mm-hmm. what Depor got and what Depor used to have. And so if we go down, it's not just because of me, albeit he's been relegated four times. Um, at the start of this period, as you
1: said, the 1992-93 season, when they ended up finish, uh, finishing third... The season before
2: that, they'd very nearly been relegated. Yes. So uh, they played what was brilliantly known as the promotion at the end of the season to, to not go down. What was that? It was a, a series. Of, basically, it was a sort of a playoff between the bottom of one division and the top of the. Oh, other right. to, yeah, decide, yeah, yeah. to decide one of the relegation places, or maybe even two. I can't remember. Right. So that happened the season before they exploded mm. into
1: uh, into Super Depor. With uh, Bebeto finishing as the top goalscorer. Of course, Bebeto arrived in, in that year, <laughs> yeah.
0: 1992, and went on, as you say, to be the Pichichi in 1992 93 29
2: goals he, he scored that season. Bebeto as well. One of the great things... I mean, there's lots of great things about Bebeto, but Bebeto wanted to go to Borussia Dortmund. It was basically done with Borussia Dortmund, and Deportivo La Coruña, and of, you know, we'll talk in a minute about uh, Agosto Cesar the mm. president, who, who in a way made all this happen, and at great cost, because mm. he, he put Deportivo into a huge amount of debt, which there was always this, well, at some point we'll deal with this, and when of course they did, that was kind of the beginning of the end. Um, he knew that he wanted um, Bebeto, he knew that Bebeto wanted to go to, De, uh, to Borussia Dortmund, that it was virtually done, and invited him to Aquarunia and told him that Aquarunia was very much like Rio. This is like Rio and and, and the 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 <laughs> Rio Re- Thor Beach is like a like a mini cocker <laughs> Anyway, he had the good fortune that when Roberto came with his wife, it was a fantastically sunny day, and they went around the city, and the wife loved it, of course, because it is really yeah, pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on a sunny day, yeah.
0: it, it's not. I mean, it's still not Rio, yeah. but it's. Yeah. And, th- and yeah.
2: as the story goes, now obviously I can't stand this up. I wasn't in Akaruni at the time. As the story goes, pretty much the second the plane take took off. And Bebeto left, it started pissing down with rain. It's like, <laughs> we've
0: done it, we've managed to convince him. There is that great photo of Bebeto and Maro Silva in the full kit on the beach doing keepy uppies Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, and that, and that, in you know, <laughs> they were the two players that were kind of the beginning of this sense of, wow, this is big now. And obviously, what that did was persuade other players to come. And that first generation, that first team. Was very much an international team, you know, and, and I think Deportivo in '96, if I'm not mistaken, were the um, the, first the first team, team to yeah. field an eleven of, of fully fully
1: made up of foreigners. Mm. So 1992-93, Babeto comes; they, he's top scorer. They finish third. 1993-1994 mm. is is the season of uh, regret, I guess, for for Deportivo mm. La Coruña because they finish second. On a very dramatic final day of the season, um, do you want to explain? Because they went into the final day of the season a point ahead of Barcelona
2: at the top of the table. Knowing that obviously because they're a point ahead, um, they only have to match Barcelona's results. So therefore, by definition, knowing that if they win, they are league champions. They are playing against Valencia. Barcelona are playing Sevilla, Sevilla as, I, as I recall it, at the Camp Nou. Barcelona actually go 1-0 down. They go on to win, I think, 5-2. Diego
1: Simioni scored for Sevilla. Diego,
2: I, didn't, I hadn't <laughs> remembered that. And I've had this story told to me from the Barcelona side, yeah. and, and it's quite extraordinary. Basically, what happens is there's, um, at the very, very end, literally the very end, Deportivo get a penalty. Donato, who normally takes penalties, is off it's the off. pitch. Two potential candidates to take the penalty... Bebeto and Dukic. There's a slight, shall we say, discrepancy in the versions of the story as to whether Bebeto didn't want it it because he bottled it. Because he had had
0: missed a penalty a few weeks weeks before. before. I'm not honestly
2: sure when. Um, and, And the discrepancy is whether he bottled it or whether Dukic said, I'll take it. Now, if you watch the footage... You can see that Dukic is going to miss. You can see that he looks terrified. There's this kind of big intake of breath just before he runs up. And you can kind of sort of sense, that big take, intake of breath doesn't quite do enough. He's like, <laughs> he hasn't quite filled his lungs. And um, and so, basically, score the penalty, you're champions. Don't score the penalty, you're not champions. It really is as simple as that. I was told this story by Chicky Biggitty Stein... By Michael Laudrup and by Andoni Zubizarreta, who are living this in the Camp Nou, says there's and and also Sacristan, who I believe might even no Chicky was a sub that day. He's in the dressing room watching this on TV. The players are inside. Michael Laudrup says there's a moment, it's a very last minute where the Camp Nou goes silent and everyone on the pitch stops because they can because obviously they know that their fate <laughs> is in the hands of what's happening in, in Aquilonia. and everyone on the pitch stops. He says literally the game stops because something's happened there and the place falls silent. There's a penalty in a Coruña. By the time the penalty is taken, the Barcelona game has just finished, so they're waiting on this moment, and there's a silence, and then suddenly, of course, there's this huge roar. And I can't remember if it was Chiki or it was Sebio now who told me the story in the dressing room. He said, "He said genuinely, we threw ourselves on the floor. It's like everyone's like on the floor, like, ah, sort of rolling around the floor like Homer Simpson doing that sort yes. of circular thing, going absolutely crazy because Jukic misses the penalty against Valencia, saved." by the Valencian keeper Gonzalo, Condales, his name. who was. then celebrates a celebrates lot celebrates a lot and of course this is one of the this is the origins of one of those strange rivalries in Spain the Deportivo Valencia rivalry hmm. Partly because at the time, Depot fans were like, "You bastards! Why? You know, why is this such a big thing for you? Why are you cheering about this?" Everyone loved Depor Tivo. Everyone mm. wanted Depor Tivo to win the league. This is the third year in a row that Barcelona's dream team wins the league on the final day, being really quite jammy, to be perfectly uh, honest. Why were Valencia celebrating yeah, It's funny so that it's wildly. almost as if they
0: had some sort
2: of financial incentive. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, uh, the, the financial story is 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 obviously that they had been paid by Barcelona for this. This obviously didn't come out until much later. There's it was sort of alleged at the time, but it was confirm later. And on. this was you know, something that happened a lot, and I suspect probably still does happen. These, But these, the details uh, of it
1: some kind of roadside meeting yes, yeah. roadside a service station. money, money, a money service handed station. over. Millions yeah. of pesetas handed yeah. Yeah. over yeah. Uh, to, uh, to Valencia, who denied Deportivo La Coruña um, a first ever league title. They finished second in the 1993 94 season. The season after, though, they got some kind of revenge, didn't yeah, they?
2: Yeah, they got
0: to a Copa del Rey final against Valencia.
1: Yes, this is
0: this is the eleven-minute final. i was, I have was been a pretty special Copa del Rey final for all kinds of reasons,
2: not least because it started one day and it finished <laughs> three days later. There was a there was a storm, and it was started raining very heavily, and then the rain turned to hail. And the footage is amazing. I don't know if you've seen it. Have a look on YouTube; it's sensational. of the Of the players running off the pitch, trying to cover their heads because that hail is going to make their skulls bleed. Um, Eleven minutes to go. I believe it's one-one at this. Yes. Point. Uh, off they go and they have to come back three days later to play the final 11 minutes and they're ball win it in those 11 minutes there isn't even extra time yeah no no incredible. with a goal from Santa Elena
1: I believe uh, finishing second in La Liga as well so maintaining that really strong push they went
2: five years in a row finishing in the top three but that's later that's not this that's era not yeah, that's, that's yeah. the second era this time
0: was just the three years as you say it was third second second and then they dropped off to ninth in 95-96 1997
1: John Toshak yes <laughs> 1997 Another Brazilian comes, a high cheekboned Brazilian who uh, had his best years in Greece, obviously. But uh, obviously, Rivaldo. Yeah. Rivaldo comes for one season. Um, and uh, absolutely. That was
2: the season I lived in Oviedo. Ah, Rivaldo did, did, you was see him, did you see him in the flesh? Absolutely incredible, yes. Yeah. yeah. What a play. I mean, obviously, I'm not telling anyone anything they don't know that <laughs> yeah. Rivaldo was incredible. But, they, but no one really knew very much about him. Mm. Uh, and, and then he turns up at Depot's like, wow, this guy's. And, of course, Barcelona bought him at the end of that season yeah. to replace Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, who'd, who'd just gone. I mean, Depa obviously had something in terms of uh, scouting network or connections
0: because these were players, when they came in, mm. they weren't the names they later were. You know, when they brought in Bebeto, this was you know, that was before the 94 World Cup, when they yeah, brought in Silver. He hadn't rocked they, the
2: baby yet. Yeah. They, yeah. Weren't, yeah. they weren't
0: these massive names, so they were doing something right in terms of identifying this, this talent. And, and Lendoro's
2: version of the events is there was a Galician guy in Brazil.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean I don't know if I'm sure, it, sure I, I, there was. I'd, I'd
2: like yeah. To, yeah, I'd like to think it wasn't quite as simple as that, but there was a Galician guy in Brazil. Um that team
1: of uh, of uh, Super Depot in the in the 90s as, as you mentioned obviously it had Rivaldo, it had Bebeto, it had a man who you've frequently referred to as sort of the cuddliest man in football in Donato. Your articles, Donato. Yeah.
2: What well, why is he the cuddliest because you know? Because he was a little f- bit round. His, his physical yeah. appearance. Cor- corpul- or did something inspire corpulent I think he said. He was also always seem to be kind of so gentle in, in yeah. the way he's but he did this curious advert I must admit it's years since I've seen it so it's probably if we've can find it on YouTube, and I, I I was looking for it yesterday, and couldn't see it. He did this curious advert that I think if we watch it now might not be the way I remember it, but I'm going to tell it anyway. You remember that famous <clears throat> Lucasade advert in the UK of John Barnes going to his locker after the game, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know after 90 minutes of sheer hell, you're going to need something that gets you fast fast." That's not really how John Barnes speaks, but it was a little bit like that. <laughs> anyway, it's, it, was it, that? <laughs> it was it was John Barnes's Lucasade advert. Yeah, but Beto did something broadly similar. Donato, sorry, Donato did something broadly similar, but with the Bible. So it's him in the locker talking about the Bible. He was very, very devout, as indeed was Juan Carlos Valerón. Oh, more wow. of whom okay. later on. Yeah. And he basically does this advert in this curious sort of Spanish-Portuguese that he spoke, which, yes. was, which was never really Spanish and never really mm. Portuguese. I suppose that's Galician for you. <laughs> um, and, and he was just sort of, everybody loved him. Yeah. A midfielder who went back to centre-back, who scores the goal that wins them the league, who kept playing until he was 40... Just it's impossible not to love Donato. Having talked about some of the imports, it's
0: worth mentioning a, a homegrown player as well, Fran, who was a, was a hometown boy, spent his whole career at Depot, I think could have gone to Madrid and Barca mm. once or twice, yeah. didn't? And actually regretted that.
2: Did it? Did end up regret, regretting not going to Real Madrid, which is a pity because I would like to think that he would embrace that idea, that he would feel pleased that he never did it. But yeah, the guy who played in the third division with him. Mm. Uh, Fran is a name that we'll come, we'll come back to, obviously. One of the very first he's, people he's I interviewed involved. in Spain. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I interviewed him when Man United were going to play Deportivo, uh, presumably in the Champions League. This must be, I'm guessing, 2000. And going to interview him, and everyone was raving about Beckham. And he, he did an interview with me in which he said, I don't know why people talk about Beckham. The one I like is Ryan Giggs. No, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, no, it's probably probably right. And I mean, there. he was a left winger, which probably helps, yes. but he was very different to Giggs. Giggs obviously was was athletic, direct, very quick. Fran never ran past anyone, mm. but the, the, it was kind of touch and technique and the ability to pass the ball. A, a really lovely player. So that
1: uh, Super Depot team, uh, having great success in the 90s, the pinnacle though would come in 2000, the 1999-2000 season, when they would be crowned champions uh, under the uh, auspices of manager Javier Iruteta, a man you. Uh... Iruteta's so a brilliant guy. Iruteta, sorry, yes, you know, yeah. you, you know him, uh, you know him
0: well.
2: Yeah, I got locked in the stadium with him. Yes. I got locked in to fill with him one day. I was, um, I was,
0: you know, having a bit of a Google, and if you look at some photos of him when he was a young man in the 70s, and if you've seen any of these, he, he looks so cool. That- yeah. yeah, like he just he had a he had a look to him, and then went on to be before he arrived at Depor. His managerial career was quite nomadic. Like, he was at Oviedo, of course. He was at Racing. He was at yeah. Athletic. He was at Real Sociedad. Then he went to Celta. Then he went to Depor,
2: where he had his longest and most. It was all in the north, you'll notice. Spell. And then when yeah. he went down, I think it was Betis. He went to it all fell apart because hmm. you just shouldn't get out of the north. When you're <laughs> very much. It's curious that you should say he was cool because one of the things that I always found quite endearing about him at uh, at Depor was that he sort of was the embodiment of not. Trying to be cool, you know. He wears the same, same ropey Kugul all the time. There's great footage of him losing a piece of chewing gum, it falling out of his mouth, dropping the floor, him picking it up and thinking. No. But then, actually, to be fair to him, getting a water bottle and rinsing it before popping it back oh. in. Footage of him sticking it under the table in the press room to do the press conference and then taking it back again and putting it back in afterwards. And I'm, I'm sure it must be the same piece of chewing gum for the best part of a decade.
1: <laughs> um, so it goes down to the final day of the season again in 2000, doesn't mm. it? And again. It's Barcelona or Deportivo yeah. La Coruña. I think also mathematically Real Zaragoza had a chance of winning the year. Uh, it was the a curious title. year
2: that year, yeah. and Madrid weren't even in the top
0: four. Well, talking of Madrid, I was going to say it's worth going back to a key game probably just before the end of that season, February 2000. Deportivo against Real Madrid at Rio Thor. Deportivo in bad form. It's match day 23, Sid. Is it? It is. Okay. I read about it. Um, and that was the game that Depot won 5 2. Mm. That was the game of the famous Jalminia Lambretta, mm. uh, which actually I was saying to see before we started recording, I was reading the El Mundo match report from that game. Yeah match report doesn't mention the Lambretta it's not mentioned because actually that play and if, what, how do you describe a Lambretta he flicks the ball from behind him over his head and also over the defenders Jalminia yeah, land.
2: B- between the two feet um, it comes, I, think, I think it gets called a rainbow flick these yeah days, rainbow flick it? it actually comes to nothing god knows why
0: rainbow the, the, flick yeah, yeah I think wow. in English people call it a rainbow flick if you, call
2: to the, if you speak to the cool kids these days wow. and anyway, it's now by prob- cool I mean five year olds it's probably now the most <laughs> iconic moment
0: of Jalminia's career it's not mentioned yeah. in the match reports on the day because he didn't actually come to anything but shortly after that they uh, I think Mackay scored. Then Jaminha scored a free kick. They went on to beat Real Madrid five two, and
2: that was maybe the key moment in turning it around and getting. Speaking, to what you're speaking saying, Kittura, very briefly of Madrid, the and then the let's come to this: is is is, is there's a, there's often an assumption that kind of Super Depot starts with another victory against Madrid, two 0 down against Real Madrid in ninety two. They win three mm. mm. two. Beto scores two of them, and a, and a lot of people would would kind of identify that as the beginning of Super Depot. Well, and Madrid had that seventeen year run where they didn't win at Real. Thought yep. the curse of Real. Thought which does that end with Guti's back heel? Yes. Yes, yeah. in 2011. Which I still think is slightly overrated. That's Oi. another debate for another day. Stop it.
1: <laughs> so anyway, it goes down to the final day of the, uh, of the season between Depor and Barca, essentially. Uh, and it was, it was curious because it was Depor playing Espanol and Celta... Playing Barcelona, yeah, and Celta actually beat Barcelona, and Deport actually beat Espanyol. So yes.
2: yeah, it wasn't there wasn't the drama. Although the footage of the response to Donato's goal, which is which is a near post header from a corner, is, is brilliant. So they finally did it. They finally did they it. They finally did they won it. the league. It's um, six years later. It's and it and it's. It's genuinely extraordinary. And admittedly, as I said, it was a very strange league title. It was a league title in which they were at Depor only, as I said, they they got beaten 11 times. They only won five of their away games all season. Um, There was a sort of a sense that the least... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The least bad team won the league. Wow. And this was by no means the best of these Depot teams. In fact you know, it's nowhere near as good as the one in '94. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not as good as a Depot team from, from the early two, for, for the sort of two or three years afterwards yeah. when of course they get to European Cup semi-final and so on. Um, but it's an extraordinary achievement.
1: Uh, then comes the period uh, where they finish uh, in the top three for five straight years. So, champions in 2000, second in 2001, second in 2002, third in 2003 and third in 2004. Um, In between all that, in 2002, there is one of the most famous games in Spanish football. It is known as El Centenariazo and it is not a word that we say a lot at real madrid tv no <laughs> it hasn't been mentioned ever <laughs> because of course this was the final of the copa del rey in 2002 on the 100th anniversary of real madrid's foundation it was held that year it was uh, it was at the bernabéu that year the copa del rey it was all rey. set
0: up for the perfect celebration for real madrid it, at, at home
1: yeah there was there was no works going on on the pitch it was fine to yeah. hold it at the bernabéu that year and it was Deportivo de La Coruña against Real Madrid. Real Madrid, the massive favourites, and yet um, Depot Depo won by two goals to one. I
0: mean, you look at that Real Madrid team. You know, this is it's Zidane, <laughs> it's Figo, it's Raul, it's Morientes, it's Makaleli, it's Roberto Carlos. It's it's the it Real should, Madrid. It team. shouldn't have been Figo. For well, if it he had an ankle injury, and it should McManaman should have. Played, you know, it's, but, it's, you know, it's the Real Madrid the bench, team that yeah, went on to, of course, to win the Champions League yeah. at Hampden yeah. that yeah. year, and yet Deportivo did them in their own backyard. This,
1: this the, the, the full game is on YouTube, and I had a watch
2: back to quite a lot of it uh, the other day.
1: Depot played really well. They, they were, were so brilliant. good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they, they were, they were so genuinely a
2: good, good team. It wasn't. It was no fluke. It was no, you know, stay deep and, and counterattack. No, no, attack. no. I mean, forgive me for saying this, Real Madrid fans, but this is one of the most brilliant things that's ever happened in Spanish football.
1: I mean, that, when I say it's one of the biggest things that has happened, it's still remembered. But, but why is it
2: so big? Right. There's there's a number of reasons. This is um this this obviously has to be seen through the prism of Real Madrid and as so much of Spanish football does. As you say, it's Real Madrid's hundredth birthday. Real Madrid had um, lobbied. FIFA to have no football played on their hundredth birthday as a kind of a mark of respect for their hundredth birthday. The centenary was everywhere that year. It was it was genuinely impossible to get away from it. It was it was huge. I mean, it was genuine. A lot of it was brilliant, but obviously for people who weren't Real Madrid fans, there was a kind of moment where I was like, "Good God, we're sick of this." <laughs> Real Madrid had 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 asked for the final. To be held on their birthday. So it was the date of it was changed, the, the, the stadium was changed, so that they could play the Copa del Rey final on their birthday. It was all set up for them to win it. Um, Real Madrid's players knew they were on a hiding to nothing. It was basically you win the Copa del Rey, mm. or yeah, you know, you, you win the Copa del Rey. There was no other, there was no, no other debate. Um, Deppel were there just to kind of make up the numbers. That's certainly the way they feel. Here's the bit that does it, one of the things that does it. Of course, because although this is a Bernabeu, it's a Copa del Rey final, so you have to have equal number of tickets. I was there that day. Yeah. The whole of the North Stand is Deportivo fans. You've got 30,000 Deportivo fans filling kind of the North Stand and a bit of either side. Yeah. Huge numbers of Deportivo fans. They go two hours early, the Madrid fans don't. It's a Bernabeu game, they kind of turn up five minutes before kick-off. I mean, that's perhaps a little unfair, but, but you know, there was a real sense that the Deportivo fans were making something of this, even though the sensation was... We're here so that they can win. Depple's players go out to warm up a couple of, you know, an hour and a half before kickoff, and they see this, just one in the stadium completely from, wow, this is pretty good. And then there's a story that uh, I think, I'm not sure Which Deportivo Player it is um, But he goes To Flavio Conceição, Who'd just gone To Real Madrid mm. Another, another Brazilian Two Brazilians So one of Deportivo's Brazilian players I'm assuming It was probably Donato But I can't remember Who it was um, Speaks to him Before the game and Says so you know, Should we meet For dinner after the game We're going to have Dinner in Madrid And, and go out and stuff And, and, and Flavio Conceição Says I can't We've got all the Celebrations and stuff Haven't we <laughs> well, they didn't. He runs back to the dressing room yeah. course and tells all the players his lads. Yeah, they think they've got a celebration, and they didn't. the The celebrations are quite extraordinary. Deportiva doing a lap of honour. And the fans Twenty-five thousand Depot fans singing "Happy Birthday to You," <laughs> and it's not just it's that Deport won it.
0: They, you know, they scored after like six minutes. They went one, yeah, up. they, went, they went 2 the and up. I think uh, before forty minutes, it was, it was done. There, you yeah, know, it was Real Admittedly back, Madrid,
2: but. did pull one back, mm. and, and at that stage, you think it's going to happen. That year, by the way, Madrid were terrible. Mm. And, they won, the and they won the Champions League.
1: League. <laughs> well, not for, not for the first time. No, that's uh, that's uh, quite true, actually, yeah. Sergio Gonzalez uh, is the current manager of Valladolid. Yes. It's, it's him. Yeah. It's him. He scored a very nice goal. And then Diego Tristan uh, scored uh, another nice Diego goal Diego Tristan,
2: well. who, who you got to love for all sorts of reasons, apart from the fact he was a brilliant player. But that great, great and now very famous line where Florentino Pérez wants to sign in for Real Madrid and he has a conversation with him and he's a little bit concerned about the fact that, let's say, Tristan quite likes going out. Hmm. Um, and he says this to Tristan, he says, a little bit worried about this, and Tristan says, Presidente, what do you want, a footballer or a monk? And he did not join Real Madrid. He did not join Real Madrid. <laughs> uh, he did finish as Pichichi in uh, 2002 with 21
1: goals. Then after that, um, in 2003, Roy Mackay were, finished uh, Pichichi with 29 goals. I mean, goals. what a
0: strike duo, Tristan and Mackay. Come that, on. That, he was the last Deportivo
1: player to uh, ever finish as a Pichichi. Roy Mackay, in 2003. Mm. Just to put in perspective, their top goal scorer last season was Adrian with nine goals, yeah. and they went down, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, just to be a better. Also, bit also, I mean, it's
2: worth pointing out something, something out here, and and Al's just said what strike partnership that was. In a way, the, 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 the reason those two won the Pichichi is because that wasn't a strike partnership, mm. because the person providing all the passes for them, just like Peter Beardsley used to make top scorers of people, was Juan Carlos Valeron. He was. Um got a love. Valeron. We 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 did. We gave him love. I think on the 21st Century oh, did, Legends uh, yes. um, yeah. podcast. Um, Live with his mum and his sister in a flat <laughs> near the stadium. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Uh, Champions League. We oh. have to talk about
2: the Champions League. I mean, as we, is, is as there end. anyone that they
0: didn't beat in the Champions it's League true. in those years? Do the they list
2: beat, Al, because the list is absolutely outrageous. They, they
0: won away at um, PSG, Manchester United, Arsenal, Bayern, and we'll talk about uh, Milan, Juventus, mm. pr- pretty much all the big teams in in Europe. They yeah. beat
2: in this spell. I remember they got the one at, Ars- at, at, at Highbury. They were absolutely incredible. Were you Just era? totally took Arsenal. Apart. I don't think
0: I was there for that game. I was talking about to see it. I remember the game in the UEFA Cup when Jarminio got sent off for well, uh, Grimondi feigned a headbutt and <laughs> Jarminio got sent off. I think I was there for that game. I don't think I was there,
2: but I remember watching the one you mean when they were they Jalmini were sensational. Course had, had had a little bit of previous when it comes to headbutting. Did he? He headbutted Habo in training once. <laughs> And this was caught on camera. I mean, it was more kind of a head lean, you know, that kind of thing footballers do. But he head-butted his manager. Idoeta turns up in a press conference afterwards, sits down in front of everyone, takes off his glasses, goes, see, look, not a mark on me. <laughs> it's, it's all right, no big deal. Wow. Um, some of those big Champions League nights. Tell me about the one in Paris, because I wasn't aware of this one in Paris. The one in Paris? Well, you've got two really kind of crazy ones. Yeah. Um, one spread across two games, the one in Paris is yeah. just one game. Three nil down. 3-0 down at the Park des against PSG. And they win 4-3. And they win 4-3. That's, that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely insane. crazy. But it is not as
1: crazy as the most memorable uh, comeback um, in Champions League history, and apart from
0: last year. Um, well, so, maybe Istanbul is probably the most famous, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> but it's a pretty big but one. But this one's pretty big. When you look at all of the circumstances, they're playing against Milan. This is the European champions. It's Carlo Ancelotti's Milan. Ancelotti's Milan, Milan, yeah. Milan. Probably yeah. the favourites that year for the, for the competition. In the first leg at San Siro, Depper actually go 1-0 up. They are leading in that game. Milan then go and score four goals in eight minutes, I think, to win that first leg 4-1. The 7th of April, 2004, is the second leg. Two weeks later. Two weeks later, um,
1: Milan line up with Dida in goal. And it's Cafu, Maldini, Pancaro, Nesta, Gattuso, Pirlo, Seydorf, Kaká, Thomason and Shevchenko. <laughs> I mean, apart
2: and from Thomasson,
0: that's a pretty good team, apart, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and that, So that Milan team, that season, they hadn't conceded an away goal in the Champions League <laughs> all season. I did not know that. That's quite exploring. And at that point, no team in the Champions League era, no team had come back from a three-goal first-leg deficit. So if Depo were going to do it, they wouldn't do something that no team had done in the modern era. The,
1: the funny thing about this game is is that Milan actually had a couple of chances to score, even before Depo get the first, which I think is after five or six minutes yeah. anyway. They had a couple of chances. They didn't take them. And then they had a, a one-on-one, I think, when when it was 1-0 anyway. They, they had chances, but Depo, as you need in football, they had a little bit of
2: luck and they took their chances. half a half-time. Yeah. Mm. So obviously at that point, it's 4-4 four, four, anyway. four. Four, four in aggregate and they're going through but the sensation in the stadium is ah, we'll throw this away. And they didn't and they didn't Forna. Well, you can see when um, Pandiani scores the first goal
0: mm. and there's a muted celebration. Truck driving
2: man Pandiani. He yeah. used to go
0: to training in the in the truck. bottom corner, but there's not there's not wild <laughs> celebrations because, you know, it's not going to happen. Valeron scores the second, they sort of start to believe. Luque scores the third and that's when the play yeah. starts to go absolutely mental. Yeah. Absolutely. The
1: most memorable comeback in Spanish football history in the Champions League until Barcelona's um, unbelievable stuff. And they went into the
0: semi-finals, of course, against uh, Jose Mourinho's
2: Porto and they were completely and utterly Mm. robbed. I mean, forgive me for saying that, that Porto team was... Bloody horrible. But what, what do you mean robbed? Right, so, okay, so they were robbed. because I mean, apart from the fact that, that Porto team was horrible. Yeah, all right, that's not and robbery. That's, that's not robbery. What happens is there's a moment between Andrade, the Portuguese centre-back from Deportivo, and Derley, I believe it was. Anyway, a Porto player who's one of his mates. And they're kind of messing around, playing with each other. And Andrade gives him a kind of a kick in the back. But they're, just, they're literally just sort of standing there, giving him a kick in the back. Penal, the, the referee sends him off. Uh, not penalty, nildro, the referee sends him off. He's like, well, we're mates, we were just messing around. And this referee sends him off. So Andrade, who was very, very good indeed, by the way, I don't know how many people remember Andrade, and he wasn't maybe at Deportivo long enough to, to kind of cement the status that people like Naivet had, Donato, and so on. Um, he misses the second leg. In his place, plays Thesa Martin, who's now, by the way, director one of the Director General or Director of Institutional Affairs at Real Oviedo. A lovely bloke, enormous, enormous centre back. He's the one that commits the penalty in the second leg. and Porto win one nil. The one of the worst football teams ever to make a European Cup final. But one of the best. One of the best, th- most greatest achievements. I'm yeah. not taking that away from. But they they weren't nice to watch.
1: So there we go. That and was gutted. That was Euro Depot and Super Depot uh, Deportivo La Coruña, who are currently seventh in the second division. So then and all go. of
2: this. I mean, one of the things that obviously that that, that is behind all this. This begins with Ferrauusto Lindoito, the the president of Deportivo, who starts is having made a success of Liceo Caixa Galicia, the local roller hockey team. Made him the best roller hockey team around. He takes over, Devil He was famous for negotiating and I just want to chuck this story in at the end because I love this story. He was famous for negotiating and getting deals done at a restaurant called El Manjar. And perhaps this embodies the whole kind of spend loads of money, don't worry, it'll be alright thing and then it coming back to bite you. Many years later, I think it's and. 2010, 2011, when Deportivo were going through administration, 160 million euros in debt. Of course, administration, you see the list of the people that you owe money to. They own this restaurant, 107,000 euros. Um, <laughs> it's from, a lot of dinners. From, from lots and lots of dinners where they signed lots and lots of players. Wow. You were
0: saying he used that restaurant as his office. He was basically there yeah. all night. <laughs> And well, if you wanted to go and get a deal done, that
2: was the well, place Nuno, to Well, Nuno, head.
1: the, the current, current... I mean, he does look like he's had 170,000 yes, yeah, well, pounds he, worth he, of dinner. Yeah, exactly.
2: Nuno, the current current uh, Wolves coach, of course, was was the first deal that Jorge Mendes ever did, taking him to Deportivo La Coruña. And the way that Mendes tells the story is that is that he knew that Lendoiro was always at this restaurant. There was 100 metres or so between the restaurant and Lendoiro's office. And so he would literally drive from Portugal... And wait by the office to, ma- to make a 150 meter sales pitch between the office and the restaurant before <laughs> Lendoro ducked into the restaurant, ignoring him. Of course, Mendes became big enough that Lendoro then starts inviting him to restaurants, and Mendes played a big part in this whole kind of Galician revival. Um, but yeah, El Manjar was the place there we go. where the magic happened.
1: Uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for uh, for listening to the first episode of uh, TSFV Presents. Classic teams. Still a great title. Good.
2: Uh, we're not sure who the next classic team is, but it's going to be a good one. So well, we'll take we'll take their suggestions and, and, and yeah. maybe maybe answer some questions if there are specific questions people have about these teams. Obviously, you know, if you want to ask about the Delantera Electrica era Rail Oviedo, feel free. Those will be uh, removed before they get Sid and you will never <laughs> see them.
0: Thanks for listening. See ya. Cheerio. Network.